0: Welcome to the G3 Podcast, a weekly podcast focused on the Christian life, where we examine doctrinal and cultural issues that impact God's church. My name is Josh Bice, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jeremy Buolo. J.C. Ryle said, quote, two-thirds of all the strifes, quarrels, and lawsuits in the world arise from one single cause, money. That's a bit troubling,
1: don't you think? It is troubling. And when you think of the the needs, both within uh, the Western civilization here, specifically in America, but all throughout the world, the needs for the gospel to go forth, the needs for Uh, the church to be God's hands and feet and demonstrating love to the world and how much resource we have here in America. There you're mentioning the largest evangelical denomination, but even step outside of that. And the American church, the Western Christian church is so rich Mm. monetarily. Yeah, And to think of the needs that could be f- fulfilled, could be met, um, with the distribution of the gospel, with the supporting of missionaries all throughout the world, which just not to, not to, you know, point the finger and, and, and condemn, you know, evangelicalism at large, but to simply make the point that we need to understand how as Christians, we should look at our finances. How do we handle our finances? How do we, um, Perceive them. What kind of stewardship ought we to have with money? Um, and the Bible has a lot to say about that. And so, my goodness, it's a it's a very important subject uh, to delve into.
0: Yeah. If you were to ask me, okay, if you have a, a Bible question, if you could talk to someone, one pastor that's living today, who would you talk to? I would say I want to talk to Doctor John MacArthur. Right. So if you're going to talk about money with someone, Jeremy, who do you want to talk to?
1: Well, I have to go to Dr. John MacArthur's son, Mark MacArthur. Uh, our guest today, Mark, has become a very, very good friend of mine, a good friend of my, my wife. Um, over the last few years, I first met Mark, uh, Pastor John's son, about three years ago, and just struck up a, a friendship, you know. Met him at a conference, and as you do with Christian brothers, you know, get to know each other, and come to find out that he's he's kind of in the the financial space, and um, he can share a little bit about that as well. But but he offered um, his counseling to me and my wife. We had some some questions about this subject. How do we deal with money? How do we um, uh, process uh, money, the pursuit of money, the love of money. Scripturally speaking, what does God want us to, to to do and and handle our finances? And I can't tell you of another person that has been more uh, helpful in in instructing uh, from a biblical perspective, um, me and others on how to handle our finances. Just in, in an enormous amount of of knowledge and wisdom um he's been a major source of blessing to me and my wife and so i i'm excited to have on today mark macarthur to tackle this subject of money um so mark welcome to the g3 podcast we're glad to have you
2: hi jeremy hi josh it's good to be here
1: so grateful to have you i've been looking forward to this like josh has said for a long time um, when Josh and I were talking about guests to have on, um, I I think I immediately brought your name into the into the conversation because this is such an important topic, such a huge topic, and yet I think if we're honest, it's a pretty unspoken, you know, kind of um, untouched topic within the church. I think. A lot of pastors can be afraid to talk about it, or they don't know exactly how to talk about it, um, and so we're very excited to, to discuss uh, this issue and have you on today. Thanks for coming.
2: Thanks. Thanks. Good to be here.
1: So as I said, um, you are Pastor John MacArthur's son. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will want to know uh, what that is like, being raised by Pastor John MacArthur. We see him from afar. We hear his preaching ministry in the pulpit, um, but you're his son. Can you tell us a little bit of what that was like growing up in the MacArthur household?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I get asked that question you know, occasionally. Um, my standard answer is it feels great. I don't know what it's like not to be John's son. Um, so it's, it's very normal to me. That being said, uh, in God's providence, I've been fortunate to have a, a very wide variety of, of um, experiences in my life whether it's travel or living in, in different parts of the country, uh, you know my background. So I've I've done some interesting things, um, including college and then after college, and and um, all of those have kind of been various uh, back experiences that God has used to to really really primarily affirm in my mind affirm my appreciation uh, and the blessing it is to be part of of the legacy of our family, um, to be have access. You know, I get, I get, when I have a, say for you guys, when you got a question, you, you have to ask somebody or you, you post it somewhere. When I have a question, I actually get to call him on the cell phone and, and, and get an answer. And, and that, that's not lost on me. I, I actually treasure that, um, I talk to dad very frequently and, and both my brother and I, uh, are fortunate to have a really great relationship with dad.
0: Yeah, that's really good. Now, when it comes to the subject of money, once again, there's a wide array of opinion, so is money itself evil? And can you help us just sort of flesh that out a bit?
2: Yeah. So the concept of stewardship, it, you know, was one of those, one of those dynamics that um, I, was, I was blessed that that was a very normal t- uh, kind of concept growing up. Uh, you know, we were told on a regular basis, you need to be a good steward of your time, talents, and resources. And so this idea that, that what I have is not just mine and primarily because I was not the one that was in full control of my um, acquisition of it, then, I mean, so, so let's just take, for instance, athletic ability. You know, God gives you the ability to be fast or not fast. He gives you your size. He gives you your muscle mass and so forth. But we all know that you can't make a slow person fast but you can make a fast person faster and so in in some ways in a small you know relatively small analogy money is is a similar concept is is there's a certain ability to generate um funds particularly in the in the in the culture that we are in that is at least currently structured you know with a more capitalistic you know um, Setup is that my giftedness usually is going to have a direct, res- a direct connection to my ability to generate um, resources. Again, the spectrum on that is very broad, but um, there's definitely a connection there. That that the ability to generate resources and generate money is is in some ways a result of combination of your giftedness. A, God, a combination of where you live, uh, your family, your network—you know—all of those things. And so, it's probably a safe statement to, to a certain degree. No one is hundred percent self-made. Uh, we're, we're all God-made, and and then we are called to do with that the best we can. And, and the and the and the uh, the clear example of that is the is the parable of the talents in Scripture, and that serves as kind of a model in my mind and it was very formative for me in understanding this idea that each of those uh, servants was given a certain amount of talents. They did not ask for those talents. They did not assume what those amounts would be and they were given those talents and it says in scripture based on their ability. And so their ability was a God given thing. Um, And so, you know, sometimes we, we gloss right over that verse in in that section of scripture um, in you know in in the sense that we forget that the amounts given to those servants was according to his ability well if God is the giver of the ability he makes certain people fast and certain people slow um, then that has a huge that has a huge uh, impact on it so the concept of stewardship, uh, I've defined it this way: it's it's the careful and and responsible management of something entrusted to my care. Um, that's that's my my finances. It's my health. It's my family. It's my church. It's anything that has been put in my uh, in my life that I I honestly before the Lord can't say I created that or I generated that. Um, because at the end of the day, everything we have is, is a result of what the Lord has either directly done in our life or the way that he has providentially placed our people in our life or situations. And so the idea that I'm going to look at someone else's choices with their finances and somehow offer judgment through the lens of, of myself is, is frankly very um, prideful. Now I will, I will say this, is there a point at which there's excess? Yes, generally speaking, we know excess when we see it, but I'm far less, de- far less concerned about determining where the line of excess falls, you know, is, is excess 3,200 square feet in a home or is excess 3,800? Is it, you know, $1,200? Uh, you know mortgage payment or is it 2200 and when you begin to try to split split those numbers and, and try to attach some sort of a spiritual value to a quantity it's it's a it's a fruitless endeavor so really the question is how am I managing things entrusted to my care and to the degree that he's given me the ability to increase that I will. My motive for increasing that is to be excellent. My motive is to be honoring to the Lord. My motive is to be a blessing to those around me. My motive is to, frankly, even as Ecclesiastes say, is to enjoy the things that God has given me. Um, But this whole idea that trying to somehow quantify and qualify that which I have or that which you have in spiritual terms, is dangerous. In in fact, in the parable of the talents, the the one that was so proud, seemingly, and maybe that's a little bit of my projection on the story, but it seems to be the one that was most, at least vocal and proud of what they had done, or in this case, what they hadn't done, was the one that buried it. And he's the one that says, get out of here. (laughs) Get away from me. Um, and so he's the one that garnered the the most um, the strongest response, if you will, uh, in that in that parable. So the idea of stewardship really is focusing and centering my effort, my intention, my enjoyment around the understanding that God's given me something to do something with it. It's it's while I while I believe that there's an aspect of wealth. That God is God is desiring for us to enjoy in the beauty of, of his blessing. It's really a tool in the hands of, of my, my life to then turn around and offer back to him in the form of service, a blessing, um, uh, more and, and creating you know, more. In fact, if you look at that the pa- that that classic parable of the talent, there's really four outcomes that, that are seem evident. One is the, the one that came back with five, which, you know, basic understanding of economics would tell you he invested that. In fact, New, New American Standard says he traded it. I don't know if that's a defense for trading stocks, which is what I do prominently for, for a living, but, but nevertheless, he, he invested that. The other one says he gained two more, which means he worked. He, he took that money and either created a business or he, he worked and, and created more. There's one that saved. Um, in fact, the, the the owner said it would have been better for me to put that somewhere and to earn interest, which would be the associate would, would be the analogous of saving. And then the last was was hoarding it or burying it, which we obviously know is the bad example. So there's there's three three if you will methods for stewarding our resources: investing investing them, using them to work or gain, and then saving. And I don't think it's choose one of those three. I think it's doing all of those three. And there comes a point in our life where if we have the resources to um, invest in not just our own and the future of those around us, but in the kingdom, well then, you know, that's a whole other conversation. But but I think that's where that falls into it. So trying to, trying to somehow limit or pursue the amount of of my my wealth based beyond understanding my ability and and beyond my calling to be content. That's where where you get into trouble. But enjoying what you have, using your ability to increase well, I would believe it's is, is all part of stewardship. It's it's the proper and careful, responsible management of things entrusted to my hands. Because keep in mind, in, in that parable, which we refer to often, is that they, had, they were called to come back to the master and present it to him. So the understanding is, is he's giving them something. They're going to, at the end of the day or at the end of the week or whatever the period was, come back and give it back to him. And that's what stewardship is. It's taking whatever we acquire through our ability with the understanding that at the end of the day, we're going to give it back to the Lord, whether that's, again, our time, our talents, and our resources.
1: Um, As I said at the start, uh, Mark has been so helpful to me as I've just thought about stewarding my finances, but not just my finances, other dimensions of life as well. And Mark, I know we were just talking recently about some of those conversations we had a few years ago where you really helped shape for me the the dynamic of how I was looking at our finances from really what you just described, kind of this idea of what is holy or less holy, or what amount is the right amount for a Christian to have, that kind of thing. And you introduced the concept of stewardship and so can you talk for just a few minutes about how Christians and why Christians should first of all look at their finances with the perspective of stewardship and then how should they organize their finances and be good stewards of it as they prepare for the future
2: it's actually a great it's a great question I thought about this um, before getting on the on the line with you guys. Here's what we know for sure. Although it's ordained by God and it is an institution that we are called to submit to, the most horrific stewards of resources that I'm aware of is the government. Um, While they offer for us infrastructure and and critical benefits uh, to sustaining our life, giving them my excess resources, I would argue is unwise because they've proven to either support things which we would deem as sinful or they just frankly are not good stewards of it. And so we want to render to Caesar what is due, and my argument would be, and not a penny more. Uh, and so there are various ways to do that while you're still alive. There, there's obviously, as we know, tithing and gifting and things like that. But in terms of long-term planning, uh, depending on the, you know, the kind of investment or kind of assets that you have, there are there are various ways to do it everything from setting up trusts you know it, it also depends uh, if somebody would like to still or, or needs to still receive benefit from that for instance they need the income or um, it's it's part of a family trust or whatever the case might be there are tools to, that, that people can do to set that up but I think the, the, the key is is to begin thinking through that if if you know that you're going to come to the end of your life with excess and, and that you, you have identified in your, you know, in, your, in your life assets or finances that you would like to, to give to the Lord's work, to your local church, to ministry, whatever the case might be, it's important to have those conversations now and begin planning for that now, whether that's through a simple will and testament where you identify you know, where you'd like your excess to go. For some people, it means doing trust work because of the fact that if you're if your essentially your net worth is is a certain amount upon the death of you and your spouse, a portion of that's going to go to the go to the government via taxes. And so you want to get ahead of that and set up some trust work so that those resources can go directly to the ministries of your choice without essentially having to pay the government more than uh, what you're what you have to. Um, There's also things that you can do currently, you know, there's, there's things called donor advice funds. Uh, There are gifting tools where you can actually give gifts currently. And, And I'm a big proponent of this because I think what it does is it allows people to see their resources working today and for them to receive the blessing of seeing those things and developing the relationships and the friendships with those ministries or churches Rather than only only having those resources go, you know, posthumously, uh, and so finding out that balance, what you need to to um, survive on. I don't think it's wise to ever put yourself in a situation um, unwisely to become dependent uh, on people when God gave you the resources to not do that. Uh, but at the same time, uh, designing designing tools to to get that money in the hands of of ministries and, and 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 church and so forth, while you're still alive, are there? You can do those today. Get the benefits. Limit the 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 amount of money you have to give to the government, um, and and enjoy the benefit of that.
1: Mark, that's so helpful. Um, and this whole conversation is is so helpful and so needed. As we close here. What would you say are some of the top mistakes that people make with their finances in the church, um, and how could those be avoided with just a few simple adjustments? What kind of closing advice would you give to our listeners on that?
2: I think the the the, the overarching one that I always encourage people with with is just be highly aware of it. D- don't let it. Money has a very a very um, a very pervasive thing in the sense that it can dominate people and it can consume people and and that's not just lack um i have i have some clients that i've i've sat down very solemnly and said you have way more than you'll ever need stop thinking about it Uh, and 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 i don't mean that as a um a reprimand well actually i kind of do but we always, I think, a lot of people think if I just had a lot of money, I wouldn't think about it. I'm here to tell you, that's exactly not the case. Um, whether we, and this is why I think there's so much from Christ in Scripture about money, is because it is a consuming thing. Um, and whether you have lack of it or excess, it can become a consuming thing. And so the key is, is be aware of it. I, I you know, some people. They need to function on a budget. Frankly, some people don't. But there is no what I call spiritual benefit, if you will, to a budget. But there is um, wise and practical benefit to knowing where am I spending my money, where do I need to be spending my money, just so I'm accountable to it. It's an accountability thing. The other thing that I think is important for, for people, particularly, you know, middle-aged and younger is don't force the burden of managing finances on someone who doesn't want it. Um, you know, I've, I've gotten the question at times, you know, Mark, do you think the husband should do the finances? Do you think the wife should do them? Uh, at what age do you think kids should do them? Um, all within the understanding of context of responsibility and, and wisdom. Some people are cut out to do it. I, I don't think that there's any biblical model that says the man should handle the finances. The woman should handle the finances. Typically, just basic human nature is one person tends to to, to tend, not always, but tends to be better at it than the other, or one might enjoy it more than the other. Um, But I don't think it should ever be a burden. We don't want, this is a responsibility and it's an opportunity, but it shouldn't be a burden uh, because nothing the Lord gives us, in fact, we even know in Scripture, even our own trials. Are, are, are caught, are, we're called to see them as joy. So, um, m- money, money should not be a source of, com- of, of forcing burden upon whoever it is, it's going to be managing. Now I use the word managing because you do need to manage them. You need to have an idea of where you're spending your money, where you're headed with your money, because the fact of the matter is, is it's, it's a, it's a pervasive thing in our culture, uh, and in our economics. And it's the way the system is set up that to to essentially turn a blind eye to it is just irresponsible. Um and then and then practically I would say and maybe this isn't what you're asking but um early on giving kids accountability and responsibility as their privilege increases with the resources so should their responsibility um, making them aware of that I, you know I think is are, is just a practical way um, But in terms of in general, I think it's be aware of it, but not consumed by it and identify a way to to handle it without it being burdensome, if possible.
0: It's very helpful for us as we think about how we should handle money. So, Mark, it's been a privilege to have you with us today. Thank you for helping us think through this very important subject about how we as Christians should think about and how we should manage the money that God has entrusted to us. So thanks for joining us today.
2: Thank you, guys. I really enjoyed it.
0: Absolutely. Well, if you would like to know more about the G3 conference and if you would like to join us for this upcoming conference, you can find out more information at g3conference.com. So until next time, may God bless you and may you use uh, all of the, the opportunities that God has given you on a daily basis to bring glory to His name. May God bless